Hi everybody, it's Bob Tulio. Welcome to Automatic Merchandisers Vending and OCS Nation, the podcast for the convenience services industry. One of the things I love about hosting this podcast is having the opportunity to learn about the supplier and the operator journey. For me, a down-to-earth conversation with Dan Welsh of World Cup Coffee turned out to be one of the most enjoyable interviews I did in 2023. When his dad, Don Welch, purchased the company in Portland, Oregon back in 1985. It was known as Diversified Refreshment Systems. Soon after, the name was changed to World Cup Coffee. Don passed away in 2014, but the emphasis on family continues to be a cornerstone of the business. There are so many charming aspects to this interview, from Dan's reasons for joining the business, to their move into becoming a respected roaster, to the company's view of how to treat clients and employees, to Dan's clear understanding of what the secret sauce is at World Cup Coffee. This episode is an honest interview with a nice guy who not only collaborates with up-and-coming roasters to help them get on their feet, but also offers a few lessons in this conversation for any operator or small business person. We came up with the name of World Cup Coffee as I was reading an article that coffee is the world's cup of choice because it is the second most traded commodity behind oil. So the World Cup name came from that article. Tell me what made you decide to go into the family business? I liked working with my dad. There was a long time that he wasn't around. He came back into my life when I was 15. My parents had separated when we were in Oklahoma. That's our family history. When he got this, that was an opportunity for us to work side by side. I have a a brother and two sisters and they didn't want to have anything to do with it, but I was young and probably a little bit malleable (laughs) to what he needed, which uh, you need in a small business. I enjoyed working with him and I also enjoyed the industry. It was was just fun. And it also allowed me the opportunity to really go to school and work at the same time because a lot of the things I could do, I could do at my time schedule. Do you have any family members in the business now? Just myself. I got three daughters that are tinkering with the idea of coming ah. in, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to be their choice to come in. One, uh, it's a, as, as you know, with OCS, there's some dirty jobs. Yeah. And uh, they're going to have to get their fingernails dirty in a similar manner that I did to know what, what it is from the bottom up in this industry. So how big is your operation now, people-wise? People-wise, we have 15 people. We have a couple people roasting the coffee. We have three service techs because we are heavy in the desirability of service and not putting our customers off. So if we have a service call, especially one that's an emergency, I want to be able to react to it timely. And we have six routes right now. I'd say five and a half growing into six. We just landed another big customer that took a couple of days to install with single cup equipment. One general manager and the affiliated office staff and myself. I'm very lucky that this is a mature company from the days when my dad started it in 85 to where my needs are mostly administrative and sales support. So it's kind of a unique company profile in the sense that you're an operator, but you're also a roaster. Do you find that there are other people that have that same niche or is it pretty unusual? It's unusual. I think people are understanding as uh, time goes on, there's a benefit to roasting, but you got to know what you're doing. The culinary palates of consumers are such that you can't just put in, take out, grind and brew. Blending is an art. Roasting is an art. You can buy really bad coffee. And I made that mistake in my early years of getting coffees that were baggy, that were just not what they should be in terms of qualities and had to return them. You get a fastball thrown by in the coffee industry in, in terms of brokerage pretty easily. 
So how long have you actually been roasting? Since 1993. Okay, and did you get some training in roasting, or did you bring people in? Or are you like the classic winemaker who brings in a wine specialist to be your winemaker? How did it work? We've done both throughout our years. 1993, I think it was that, that was the Houston trade show for the Specialty Coffee Association of America. And that's when my dad went down there, got himself educated, and I went to the next trade show. I took classes on roasting, how to roast, met brokers in the Bay Area primarily because uh, that was the largest port of entry for coffee in the West Coast. And so we made built relationships with those people. There was also other local people in the Portland area that were willing to share. The one thing about the coffee community is it mirrors the beer community for roasters. Collaborative works are enjoyable. So mentorship was big. And I've uh, had a few people that have uh, been working under me from baristas to roasters that have started their own companies as well. So you guys really help each other out. So it's a very friendly industry. There, there of course, like any industry, are those yeah. that are just uh, skeptical, hands off. No, I'll be on my own island. And, and that's just, just fine as well. But I find uh, working with people, mentoring and, and giving back, sharing knowledge works just as well for me. Fresh ideas through fresh eyes. How much are you focused on sustainability aspect of the coffee itself? And in this case, I'm talking about paying a fair price, dealing with fair trade. What avenues do you take to make sure that you're being responsible as a roaster? If I have a, let's say, a fair trade coffee, Guatemalan, and a conventional market-based Guatemalan side-by-side, and the conventional is far superior, we will choose the, the conventional just simply because we want our customers to be able to serve the best. Now, if the customer says, I want a fair trade Guatemalan, we can't source that for them. This is something that we can do and it will be a, the best fair trade quality we can find. It's not a company that will simply say sustainable only. Those companies sure. are out there and if those customers want a specifically a sustainable coffee in fair trade, food certified, bird friendly, all the check marks that you can find, those companies are out there and we can broker their coffees just as easily and source their coffees and get it to those customers. Do the customers see you as the local guy and how much of an advantage is that? I think Portland really embraces local in terms of they know they're going to get a service quality in terms of maintenance on equipment and freshness quality in product because they're going to see us in the grocery stores. They're going to see us walking the streets. They know that Portland is a small town. And uh, if you make a mistake, you're going to run into somebody and you don't want to have that awkwardness of saying, hey, I'm sorry I didn't get there in time. Sure. You want to be able to, to back your customers up and back up your your statement that we're local, we're better. In some ways, is your company seen as a boutique roaster? Yeah, very much so. They know that when you're getting the World Cup name as a brand standard, you're going to get quality. We don't roast far ahead. So we're only roasting for a day or two ahead before delivery because this is a highly perishable product. So we, we know that time, temperature, and, and light is a staling agents of coffee. And we want that to be brewed as fast as possible. Wow. You've got a cost savings internally because of the fact that you're importing. You've got the freshness factor covered. You've got the the local side covered. 
it's got to be a very easy product to sell in, in your market. It's an easy product to sell, but it is very competitive. The brand loyalties are still brand loyalties. There's a lot of boutique roasters out there. And if a customer wanted a certain brand, we'll go and get it for them. And I'm a businessman in the, in the same regards. Uh, I, I want to get as much business for, for the company and for my employees that I, that I can get, prove the longevity of the company and to increase gross revenue. So if if Portland Roasting is a desired coffee you want, we can get that for you. We serve Water Avenue. We serve natural brands of Starbucks, Pete's. It's not just World Cup, and that's it. We go out of our way to make our customers happy, basically, in, in getting them what they want. As you look back and say, you know, I've taken a lot of different turns. Is there a time where maybe you've taken a wrong turn as a business and said, all right, I got to pivot quickly and correct this? Can you think of an example like that? I can th think of bad decisions. I think after 40 years, if you haven't made a bad decision, then you're lying. Definitely. You know, we, we passed by opportunities that probably should have had when Starbucks first brought themselves into the market in the, was it the mid to late nineties? They wanted us to be the distributor in the Portland area. But in order to do so, we had to drop every other product line that, of coffee that we had established. We, we felt proud that they recognized us as the company they wanted to work with. But at the same time, we didn't see that as very Portland. Maybe we were a little bit too progressive because I think AAA was the company that took that brand on and ran with it. Here in the Portland market, we lost a fair amount of accounts, but in the long run, it worked out better for us. So sure. is that a mistake? Maybe. Sure. Mm -hmm. you, you know, when that happened to me and I couldn't get Starbucks coffee and it was the LA market and everybody wanted it, I got to a point where I was going to a Starbucks store and buying in five pound bags, literally hundreds of pounds. This store manager probably got trips to Hawaii and his bonus for selling. And he didn't even want to know where it was going. I mean, literally we'd go pull a van up and buy like 300 pounds of Starbucks coffee once a week. And we hey, were, you find a way. You, you do, find you a find way. a way. When you're a small business, you find a way. We had a side business on the Oregon coast that was three hours away. And uh, I'm sure the statute of limitations are gone for any bad behavior for Starbucks. <laughs> uh, we used to buy it there and bring it back into the Portland market. Absolutely. So I think you're you right. find a way to make customers happy by hook or by crook. <laughs> so how have you adjusted your business to deal with the fact that you're serving uh, 50% of the office environment that you were serving in 2019. A lot of companies, I think, just were throwing things and see what would stick to the wall. And, and that was us. Everybody had to come up with an idea to, to pay rent. We tried to bolster our online sales and that really didn't work because we were probably six months behind with that idea and people were already established and we were just somebody new trying to enter into market and it wasn't our bread and butter tried C stores and that helped out, but that wasn't really our bread and butter and C stores are notoriously poor pay. We were already in accounts and we retooled ourselves to build up our pantry business. And that really helped out because that really took off and getting better at micro markets. We're, we're learning fast on them because we're still a small company. Mm -hmm. And we're taking trips to, to NAMA to learn, reading all the articles. And I'm watching a lot of your podcasts and listening to sure. your programs to, to learn from other industry experts because we don't want to make too many mistakes. We're about ready to set two accounts and working with 365 and they've been very helpful. And we're going to work with Panoptic on video surveillance. And I think that'll be a good partnership as well to help us. Any tech partners on the coffee side that you'd like to recognize? 
Young Duke has a new machine out, the AV, that is a really beautiful machine. Just placing our first one in a law firm right now as a test. The bun immersions and the affection styles produce a fabulous cup of coffee. Those machines are, have been rock solid for 10 years. So as far as you're concerned, the answer for OCS operators is you've got to diversify. You've got to go after the opportunities that exist in, the, in your locations, whether that means micro markets, pantry service, advanced water systems. Are you doing that sort of thing as well? Advanced water machines and the lightly flavored waters are opening up possibilities for us. How has selling changed, in your opinion, in the years that you've been in the business? Has the process of selling convenience services changed? I mean, are you still sampling coffee for people? Always. That's one thing I haven't changed too much is I like face-to-face. -face. Many people are using LinkedIn and email conversations. It, it doesn't close deals as easy as being face-to-face. It's nice to have a paper trail of conversation, but if you're a good salesperson and comfortable with it, the best thing you can do is be able to knock on that door and get face-to-face -face with that person. Yeah, I liked what uh, Bryn Tillman, who's an expert on LinkedIn, and one of the things yeah. she said is the purpose of LinkedIn is to get the wave across the room, then you got to go and, and walk across the room and make the deal, you know, but you the, that's good. Yeah, you got to so, have that human interaction to... Sure to close the deal and to bond and create loyalties. Absolutely. So you still having fun? Is this business still fun for you? Yeah. Yeah. Falling up in my dad's shoes. I'm still having a lot of fun. We've, uh, I've had a, a great career doing roasting, doing OCS, building the brands in the Portland market, doing retail, having uh, upwards of four retail shops and COVID didn't like uh, any retail business as well as the Portland market. It's hard to do business sometimes. But uh, it's been a great long career in many facets of the coffee industry as a whole, not just OCS. What's the secret sauce at your company? What makes World Cup successful? I, I'm really good at HR and treating people like family and treating people responsibly, having expectations of them as well as simply saying thank you. Give my wife the credit to that, that uh, she says, just say thank you. You know, when somebody does something, good job and thank you, uh, go a long way just showing appreciation for people's job well done. Yes, they have to be well paid. Yes, they have to be compensated with a, a good package. That's, you know, just good business standard. The secret sauce for World Cup is we're a family here. I know everybody's name. I greet them. I walk around when they need help. I'm lifting equipment with them. When the inventory comes in, I'll put the inventory away with them. There's no sacred cows. And some of them, come. it's kind of fun when some of them come in and they don't understand that because maybe they've been somebody's whipping person. That's not a relationship you're going to have here. You're going to be part of the family. If uh, one of your family members is sick, you're going to get time off to help them out. We're supportive here. I think that works well. Dan, thanks. What a great interview. I really appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure, Bob. That's it for now. On the next episode of Vending in OCS Nation, Tuesday, December 19th, we will look at a company that is far from a traditional machine manufacturer, digital media vending. We'll talk to David Ashford, who suddenly finds himself on the right side of a trend, selling niche products from attractive equipment, something we saw quite a bit of at the 2023 NAMA show. Then on the 26th, as you sit around the fire drinking eggnog, listen to our 30th podcast of the year. We're doing a best of 2023 episode that will feature compelling excerpts from at least 20 Vending and OCS Nation guests, probably more. 
Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Bob Tulio.